Welcome to the At-Bat Baseball Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news and as, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez along with Miles Porter. How was your week, man? How are you doing? Doing good. Officially graduated now, so I'm happy about that. Yes, sir. Enjoying, yes, sir. Uh, another another interesting week of baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, you're, yeah you're going to be a graduated fan now watching baseball. Like a little, you got to have a little patch, you know what I'm saying? Everywhere yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I can watch a game without worrying about a paper for the first time. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That must, that must be great. Us, uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still a student, so I'm, you know, I'll get there soon, man. And, uh, you're going to get I see, there, man. You, you, I, I see, I see your smile's a little special this, this time, this, you know, this episode, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait yeah, to get yeah. there. I'll, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. You don't see, you know, see me right now. It's, yeah, no, you... it's halfway. <laughs> Three-fourths of the way there. I'll see you at the top. I'll see you at the top. Yeah. It gets bigger the closer you get. <laughs> yeah. I see the light. I see the light. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, unfortunately, uh, the Cubs saw the light this last week uh, when they played the White Sox because that was tough. Uh, we're going to start off with the Crosstown Classic. Um, obviously, um, last week, I know I talked about at least maybe being a split. I thought, you know, because it was going to be uh, uh, at Wrigley, I thought the Cubs could steal one. But, man, White Sox, you know, their pitching got it done. Uh, they won. They won game one, three to one in the rain. Kopech, uh, he pitched well, even though he he said it himself. He thought he could have pitched better, which he's that good. I think he, you know he could. Uh, and in the second game, uh, White Sox hold on for a four to three win. Uh, Miles, what are your over, overall thoughts on the series? I mean, it could have gone either way. Obviously, those those two games. I know the first one, it being messy and stuff with the with the weather and stuff, but. Um, yeah, like what are your overall thoughts in that series and, and what the Cubs could have done differently? So, when I, you know, as I'm watching both of those games, uh, really the Cubs just weren't really in sync offensively. Wasn't really a lot of offensive production. Therefore, it was hard for them to build any sort of momentum against the Sox, who pretty much came into Wrigley with that energy. Um, you know, pretty much had a game plan with dominant pitching. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't even say those Sox blew them out offensively. They just had some great timely hits, played a little small ball here and there, did put some over the wall. Um, but the Cubs, you know, offensively just didn't, you know, they weren't able to compete with them. And, you know, there's only so much that the pitching can really do. Um, you know, kind of kind of been the theme of this, of this Cubs team where offensively they have a lot of holes and they have a lot of things to address. And I think, you know, that series is a big example of how much the Cubs really do need to improve as a team offensively. Pitching wise, you know, I'm really not mad at what I saw, um, but offensively, you know, we got, you know, got to be better. Yeah, and we'll and we'll get to each team separately and what what they, you know, what they did after that and what what this means for them. But yeah, overall, I think yeah, it was, it, was, it it did feel honestly for for um, I think for a lot of Cubs fans in general, I probably felt like a playoff series because it's close to a playoff series you'll get to this year. Um, and the White Sox got those big hits when they needed to get them, and they needed that. I mean, they were, you know, came in, I believe, uh, uh, you know, they were, you know, struggling under 500. Um, so um, they, this has helped them so far. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it, the the White Sox pitching, I think, really stepped up. Also, I mean, they really needed that as well. Those, you know, those guys, you know, overall have been struggling when it comes to the pitching side of things. So, yeah, the the White Sox deserve that. You know, that that sweep. They deserve the series win. Um, and you know, it'll be nice to play them in a couple weeks again. Uh, that Cubs White Sox series will be really interesting. All right. So we'll go into separate now what they did after that. Uh, the Cubs went, uh, or stayed at home, I should say, and they played the Dodgers for three games and they lost all three games. Uh, for that, 
Um, just some notes on that series. Uh, Justin Steele got injured in Sunday's game. Marcus Stroman was scratched. He was sent to the injured list. Um, so Justin Steele started, but again, just injuries, uh, you know, marred that game. Uh, and then also, uh, Frank, uh, Frank Schwindel was sent to Iowa. Then he came back and then struck out three times last night in San Diego. Uh, but we'll talk about more about Frank the Tank in a sec. Um, but yeah, that series against the Dodgers, man, it really just showed, you know, you know, how good that Dodgers team is and just how, how not good the Cubs are. And, uh, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's you, you, the, really the contrast of offense is just seeing like, you know, where the Dodgers are now in every facet of the game Mm -hmm. and seeing where the Cubs are. It's just eye opening, really. Um, seeing Kershaw just dominate seeing you know Bueller it's yeah it, it's it's always when you every time the Dodgers come in you're always like man I really you know um you you really want your franchise to get to where they are they're always yeah. a model franchise yeah. so you know seeing that and um I, I will say I will say this too is like the Cubs hitting obviously as you said before you made you made a point in saying that they're uh, overall offensive like they're struggling offensively and yeah it's been a really tough go I remember, I feel like it was just yesterday. We were talking about them being in the top three for batting averages, and and we said it then, and we'll you know that it was early, but it it was a you know bright you know bright sign for the Cubs in in April. But they have yeah. gone all the way down now to 15th in the league. They're hitting mm-hmm. 234, um, and they're probably going to keep continue to spiral down uh, if they continue to struggle like this. Um, but o- overall, with the offensive approach with just their offense in general. Um, what have you seen that, you know, that's the most alarming. And then also on, on Frank, the tank, like, is this, you think this is the end for Frank Schwindel? Like you think, um, or do you think he'll be able to find it? He, uh, yeah. So I, I just think the Cubs are still pretty much trying to figure out who they are as a team and exactly what they want to do offensively. Um, this is a team that's really not built on, on power. And I think to a certain extent, we kind of still have that power mindset a little bit, as much as they've preached their philosophy is more of a base to base kind of team. Uh, I think, I think a lot of people are still feeling the, the Javi KB Rizzo effect, uh, Schwarber effect of guys who can put the ball over the wall uh, pretty consistently and get the extra base hits, but the Cubs are a base to base team. Uh, they can't do more than they have to. They can't, we can't be swinging out of our shoes. We're just not that team. doesn't make us less good. doesn't make them less good than any other team in the MLB. Strategy is just different. But the Cubs is really, their mentality should be, uh, you know, base to base, put the ball in play, hit it hard somewhere. You don't have to try to put the ball over the wall. Um, as a hitter, if we're shooting for line drives, that's okay too. We don't, we don't have to shoot to, you know, always get a triple, always, you know, do, do more than we have to. I always preach to players that I coach is, you know, stay within yourself. And the big things that we always hear as players, less is more. So, you know, I'm, I'm watching uh, Frank Schwindel, a guy who, who I love to watch. I remember I met him at a bar one time after one of the Cubs games last year, such a down to earth dude. And I actually think that he's a really smart hitter and he showed it last year. Um, But I, I did kind of expect him to come back down to earth a little bit this year. Um, you know, obviously this is kind of like a sophomore slump kind of thing. Um, I once hitters see you, once pitchers see you after a certain amount of time, they start to know your tendencies and with all this technology and all the information in the MLB, uh, you know, 
eventually people are going to start to get it. And I think that's what's happened with him. For him, for him and who he is as a player, I do think he's actually a very valuable asset to this team. Uh, I hope he does put it together. I really, I really do. Um, love Alfonso Rivas, another great young first baseman. Um, but Frank Schindel is just as important to this team as anybody else. Um, you know, I love, I love what he brings. I love the positivity, the enthusiasm that he brings to the Chicago Cubs team. And, you know, I'm hoping he puts it together. Had another tough game last night. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sent back down again. I'm hoping he does for his sake, you know, get out of the spotlight, get away from all, from all the craziness of, of, you know, of playing at the MLB level and go somewhere a little bit smaller, work on a few things, come back and kick some butt. That's what I'm hoping for French window. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, baseball fans in general, like the guys, cause he's so relatable and yeah, he, yeah. he'll, after a game, you know, where you get a couple knocks, he'll go, to a bar across the street and just talk to fans so that's pretty cool so yeah hopefully yeah. he finds it just just for the just for you know for the sake of uh, Cubs fans in general I mean you need everything you can get right now um uh so let so this would be on Monday now on Monday they took on the Padres for game one they're gonna play them for three games yeah. and uh we saw vintage Kyle Hendricks I mean the man went eight and two-thirds he had a walk in the ninth that probably ruined his chances to, you know, to complete the game. Uh, he actually, they talked about it during the game. His lowest uh, whip uh, against any team in his career is the Padres at 096. Uh, he also has a, a sub three ERA and in five career starts at Petco. Um, so he was awesome. And, and the thing was, you know, that was great to see uh, the Cubs actually win a game because they snapped a five game losing streak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and you know when this when the show airs, Wade Miley will have made his Cubs debut on Tuesday, and I think that that's going to be a, a big lift, regardless of how he does. I think yeah. it'll help it'll help guys like Justin Steele. I think all the young guys in the, on the staff in general will benefit from Wade Miley being on the team. Um, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Uh, what do you see coming up on these series? We got the, you know Padres uh, there for the rest of the way. Um, they're obviously playing well. Uh, Cubs got the best of them on Monday, six to nothing in the win. Um, and then we take on Arizona over the weekend. What do you expect in these two series? Uh, you know, I'd I'd be surprised if we win this series. Pleasantly surprised if we win this series, just because the Padres are such a good baseball team. Um, you know, really, really with a lot of you know, when we play teams like the, like the Padres, the Dodgers, um, my expectations really aren't too high. Um, for me, I'm just happy if they go out there and compete. Loved what I saw yesterday. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Padres come back and take two from them. But, you know, I like Wade Miley on the mound. Um, I think he's going to dominate. He's a very, very competitive pitcher. Hates coming out of games. Um, you know, I think he's going to battle. He's going to battle for this game. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with with this series, uh, wouldn't expect too much out of it, but you know, maybe they can pull off another win tonight, get the series win, and then take one tomorrow. Um, and then when it comes to the Diamondbacks, I'm hoping we do take that series. I really do. That's a very beatable team. Um, but you know, they can say the same thing about the Cubs as well. I'm not going to say these teams are evenly matched, but they're very similar in multiple ways in terms of trying to find their identity, whether it's defensively or whether it's on the offensive side. Uh, you know, I think the Cubs should take that series. It is a little bit tougher when you're on the road, um, but the Cubs should be able to come out with the win for that one. Yeah, no, in the uh, 
NL West in general is really interesting just because all the teams are over 500. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is crazy to look at because the Diamondbacks are in last place, but they're 16 and 14. Yeah. You know, yeah, if, they, is... if they, yeah, if they sat in the NL Central, they'd be like third. So yep. it's, it's crazy. So, um, but yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, with those teams uh, in general, like the Padres, again, I do expect the same thing. I do expect them to win the next two. And then, uh, the Diamondbacks to to you know challenge the Cubs, especially on the road. Yeah, like you said, it's going to be tough. Um, um, and then we're most likely, I'm not 100 percent sure, but most likely we'll face uh, either most likely we'll face Merrill Kelly or Zach Gallon, and those guys have been pitching their butts off for the for the Diamondbacks. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting. I know that I think the Friday games on Apple TV Plus with the Cubs uh, Apple nice. TV Plus debut. Nice. Um, all right. So shifting over now to the White Sox. Uh, they obviously took two games from the Cubs in that two-game sweep, and then they went over to Boston and they swept the Red Sox. Uh, just some of those things. Some of the things I saw in that series was, you know, Vince Velasquez. You know that that he's doing way better than I thought he would. The Cubs, or sorry, excuse me, the White Sox pitching has been, you know, trending up, uh, and uh, even guys like Dallas Keuchel have been improving. Yeah. Um, they did also welcome back uh, Yohan Moncada over the weekend. Um, yeah. So it, when you see, you know, what they have done against the Cubs, when they, uh, when they, what they did against the Red Sox, I think we said a little bit last week about how they could use these two series as, especially the Cubs one, to, you know, as, as like a jump off point, you know, to mm-hmm. find their feet again. Yeah. Uh, in your eyes, are the White Sox officially back? No, not yet. Um, you know, we're talking about two beatable teams that they, that they did play against. Uh, you use these series as kind of, you know, something to, like you said, jump off or build momentum off of. Um, but, you know, when I look at, you know, the Sox play the Guardians um, last night, there are still a lot of issues that need to be addressed in terms of the defense. Um, how many more errors can you truly make? Every error is just giving the other team more of a chance. And with the amount of errors that the Sox have made this year, they're it's coming back to hurt them most of the time. It's not a, it's not a lot of errors where, you know, nothing happens. These are, these are very game costing errors that I'm seeing. Um, So when I, when I really think about these issues that need to be addressed compared to teams that are, that are playing well, it's not going to work. This isn't going to be very sustainable throughout the year. Now, you know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do finish over 500, they do make it to the playoffs, but, you could do some of those things. Uh, you can still make it to the playoffs and still not have some of these issues addressed. Um, so I am kind of worried about it right now when it comes to the White Sox. I'm hoping that they do clean up a lot of their things defensively because I think this is an amazing defensive team. Um, I think Tim Anderson is just, I think they maybe have a little bit of the yips right now when it comes to just forcing a player or rushing the ball out of his hand more than he has to. Um, I've always said about Tim Anderson, he's very good at getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, so in a lot of plays, a lot of the great plays that he's made, he's not making the most flashy play in the world. But what we're seeing with Tim Anderson, and historically, he's good at getting the ball out of his glove quickly and getting it the first. Um, and what I'm seeing a, a lot of right now from him is kind of rushing too much as an, as an infielder. Um, kind of, you know, on certain plays, you kind of got to let the ball come to you if it's going to be a one hopper or if the ball is slow, then you go get it. 
But finding that happy medium between the ball that's hit slow and the ball that's hit hard to you, you also got to know your runner. Um, and I think and it just, as I'm watching Tim Anderson play sometimes, it just seems that he is just not taking the scenario into account sometimes. And it's just, let me just get this ball and then just 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 fling it over the first base. We'll see what Jose can do with that. Um, and that kind of that kind of makes me nervous because he's way better than that. He's also one of my favorite players, so of course I'm gonna be very you know critical about him. Um, you know, it, it's it's those offensive things um, that can really hurt because he is one of the main the main guys offensively on that team. His offensive side, obviously, he's he's the goat on that team. But um, defensively, the Sox have to address a lot of things. And same thing, same things with their pitching. You can pitch great against a, a team that isn't very good, but then once you face a team who is good, um, that's the real test comes in. And that is where I am still have a question mark with the White Sox. No, yeah, you make a lot of good points, especially because yeah, defense is one of the most important things. And I think, you know, you see it on teams like for example, like the Phillies who, you know, banked down a lot of their offense and they're struggling right now. And uh, a lot of it has to do with not only there's, you know, just their defense that, you know, that's not, you know, nowhere near, um, uh, you know, playing well, uh, but the, their pitching also is struggling. So yeah, with, with the White Sox, you know, they, they've had a, a 163 ERA in their last seven games, but yeah, they haven't, you know, the competition has not, you know, have you know they haven't been great teams that they've been playing red sox are also struggling um there's i believe they're fourth a place in the al east so yeah they still have a lot of you know a, a long ways to go and the thing was is that even with that six game winning streak uh that was snapped on monday night against the guardians they were still a few games back from the twins you know and the, those twins just keep on going man and, and the thing is you know even with korea down uh, even when Correa was playing, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't playing that well. He wasn't playing Correa baseball. So um, really getting, you know, being carried by the pitching, guys like Joe Ryan, um, and also just, you know, Byron Buxton being, you know, MVP candidate. So um, it's going to be really this AL Central, like we've said, we've said it multiple times, that it's going to be fascinating to watch the whole year. Uh, for the White Sox in general, uh, you know, like I said, in their pitching has been trending up, but also a little bit of their hitting. You know, Jose Abreu, he's had his 969 uh, OPS his last seven games. Um, and for him, you know, I believe we've also mentioned it before with his contract. I mean, he's got a hit, you know, and, and the White Sox brought him back just for that reason. I mean, I think it's it's nice to have a guy like Abreu in, you know, in the dugout in the clubhouse because, uh, his, because you know, he's been in the game for a long time. But at the end of the day, you know, you want to be a World Series team. You want to start on a World Series caliber team. You know, you got to hit. Uh, on Monday night against the Guardians, though, uh, one thing I did want to talk about is Liam Hendricks continues to struggle. Uh, he had a, a couple of uh, bright spots in the last few weeks, you know, um, uh, in you know, in closing out games without necessarily any run scoring or any problems. Uh, but, man, uh, it really all – Kind of, it was all kind of his season was kind of summed up on Monday when he gave up a, a game tying grand slam with two outs uh, against Josh Naylor in the Guardians. I mean that was crushed and it was a fastball high um, that Naylor got all of it. Um, it and when obviously we, we talked a little bit about when before we coming on, but Josh Naylor's reaction in his second home run because he ended up hitting a home run in extra innings. Guardians ended up winning that game, twelve to nine, I believe it was. Uh, and he, yeah, his reaction was awesome. Like that's just, um, like that. I mean, that's what I, I, like I said, I don't think I've ever seen anybody that pumped in my life, bro. Yeah. Like I think, 
I think the la- the last time I might have gotten that pump was when I got a strike in Wii Sports Bowling. That's probably the, the most pump <laughs> I got. Uh, but that's because it never happens. You know, I had to get, I gotta get pumped, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's not good. Uh, but no, but he's, nah, worked, I mean, he's worked hard to get back too from that injury yeah. that he had. Yeah. So all yeah. those, and you you look at that interview that he had after the game. All those emotions are coming out because, man, you're that, that's a that's a career game. But uh, yeah, like the the Liam Hendricks thing, man. It's just what like for him. Do you think? it's gotten to the point where the White Sox are going to have to maybe consider getting like, you know, getting another reliever, getting another elite reliever in the pen, Absolutely. you know, c- come trade deadline. Or do you think Liam's going to find it, you know, should, with the contract he's got, you almost can't move him out of the closer spot. It's a little right. tough there. Um, but what, like, what is your opinion? Do you think they're, they're going to, you know, let him see what he can do? Um, or do you think they'll get another elite arm and maybe shuffle things around? Yeah, I think I think you may be looking at getting another arm towards the trade deadline if he continues to struggle the way he does. I'm not saying move him out of the spot, uh, but maybe get someone who supports him as well. He doesn't have to be in every single closing situation that that comes up. I, I every time I think about you know Liam Hendricks and last night was a very good example of him not making very competitive pitches and like you said, leaving a fastball up. You know, this is what's going to happen. The ball is going to get sent over the wall. And that's, and you know, in my opinion, that's kind of been one of the Sox issues. It's, it's not been, it hasn't always been their stuff, aside from what I think Dallas Keuchel, I don't think his stuff has been all that great, not great enough to just lay it over the plate. But for the most part, a lot of these pitchers on the Sox have great stuff. A lot of great breaking pitches, uh, fastballs with command. It's just location. That's where that's where my my issue comes in with Liam Hendricks is, velocity doesn't guarantee you success anymore it just doesn't um so when he is when he is just you know laying balls over the plate you can't really be surprised I remember I was watching that at bat and as soon as I saw that ball come out of his hand I'm like I might get squared up um you know and that's what happens that's what's been a lot of his issues uh you know going forward is that he's making some competitive pitches I, I'm looking right now he he has 20 strikeouts and you know 13 and two-thirds of an of innings He's getting outs, um, but when he's not getting outs, it's very costly. And that is where I do worry about him um, because he's just as effective as he was last year. But in terms of the strategy and where he's located the ball, that's what's changed. And that is what, you know, if if I'm a, if I'm his teammate, if I'm, if I'm Larusa, that does make me a little bit nervous. No. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what I noticed too, is, is the fact that uh, he's getting a lot of whiffs. I mean, he's got, a, no. he's got, you know, a high whiff percentage. But the thing is, when, you know, hitters are getting contact, making contact, they're barreling up the ball. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a 94% whiff rate. So, with Liam Hendricks, I mean, yeah, I think he's – I think ultimately, um, it's, you know, like I said before, it's tough to move him around. But I think that the White Sox are going to have to do, to do something bullpen-wise um, yeah. just to, you know, get, just to help him out. You got to do something. Uh, the- White, White Sox will get some reinforcements though soon. And I, I saw uh, Rick Hahn said that Lance Lynn will be coming back uh, as as uh, as early as late May, uh, but June early June seems more realistic. Uh, also, uh, they take on the Guardians for it'll be uh, three more games after Monday, uh, two games when this airs. Um, and then they take on the Yankees for four. So it's a big week for the White Sox. I mean, really to see uh, what last week did for them. Um, you know, regardless yeah. of what happened yesterday, what happened on Monday, I should say, 
Like they, you know, they played a great game. Just couldn't come out, you know, with the win. But yeah. you know, playing these Guardians team, playing the Yankees team, I think it'll really show a lot of what what type of team they are. Uh, what do you expect with this series, uh, the rest of the series for the Guardians, and then them take them hosting the Yankees? So with the with the Guardians in town, I think I, I still think that this series can go either way. I, I still do. Um, Sox are still a very competitive team. I uh, like uh, you know G Lito on the mound tonight for them. Um, you know, I think it can still go either way. I think you know last night was kind of kind of set the tone for these two teams, and you know. The Guardians letting the Sox know, hey, we're coming here to compete. We are, we are, we are right in your face. I mean, you know, we we don't care what what the media says, what anyone says. We're right here. We're right here. We're we're gonna stay here as long as long as you guys allow us to. Um, and so, you know, I think it's gonna be real competitive. Um, you know, going forward, but with for the rest of this series and with the Yankees coming to town, that's gonna be the big test for them. That is, uh, yeah, yeah. You got, in my opinion, the best team in baseball coming in town, not in, in the hottest team in baseball, the most confident team coming coming into Chicago. That's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. It's, it's also going to be a big test. Um, giving teams like that more and more chances, it's going to be the same result that they've been getting all year. All the Yankees are going to do is capitalize on those errors, capitalize on non-competitive pitches, taking bases, making making bad throws back into the infield, which is which is ridiculous what, what I saw last night. is. Is, is little things like that. Um, you, you can't you can't make those errors against any team, but with, with teams like the Yankees coming into town, you know, you really just got to clean it up a little bit more, make sure you're on top of it a, little, a, a lot more. Um, so, you know, Yankees are going to be a tough team. That's going to be a tough team for the White Sox to compete against just because of who they are and, you know, what they're coming into Chicago with. And when I look at the, the Guardians, I still think it can go either way. I really do. All right, now we'll take a trip around the league and look at what's going on in Major League Baseball and the rest of the rest of Major League Baseball. Uh, the Mets, uh, honestly, man, you know, you talked about the best team in baseball being the Yankees, and I, you know, I agree with that. But a team right on, like you know, right behind them is probably the Mets, man. It's the, the team on the other side of town. I mean, they had that crazy comeback against the Phillies. Uh, you know, scoring, I believe it was eight runs in the ninth inning when they were down seven, seven to one or seven to nothing, something like that. Ended up winning the game. Uh, overall, with the Mets, you think this is a, this is something that, you know, we've talked about a couple of times seeing, you know, what things, can, you know, a lot of the stuff that can go wrong. But for them, you know, uh, what have you seen them like, like what has to continue to, you know, to to happen for them, for them to, you know, keep going on this, you know, street that they're on right now? They have to keep doing everything that they're doing right now for the, like the entire season, staying focused, staying together, competitive at bats, staying enthusiastic. Um, I just, I, I love this. I, I love watching this team. I just love watching this team. And, you know, they, they really went to, they went to Philly and they went in there to compete. Um, you know, I, I, I am, I am so happy. I'm so happy that the Mets are uh, competing the way they are. Lindor having a great year and seeing Pete Alonso come up in certain situations and seeing him come through. Um, you know, I love I love seeing the pop off of his bat. He's he's one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, keep it going, man. Stay healthy. Stay enthusiastic. Uh, you know, know who you are. Going to every going to every stadium and know that you guys own the place. Um, man, it must be fun to be a fan in New York right now, a baseball fan in New York, because um, this is incredible. 
this is incredible. And I just, I just want them to continue this as much as they can. No. Yeah. I mean, it, we, we definitely know how it is when, you know, the Cubs and White Sox are both good. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, uh, it's really, really awesome. And it's great for the whole city in general for sports. Uh, we'll go over now to the Mariners. Now the Mariners, they haven't gotten out to an ideal start. Um, they're 13 and 17, but, uh, what's interesting to me and what I was thinking about over the weekend is just the, you know, the emergence of JP Crawford really coming to his own. Um, I think, uh, he's the type of player that, you know, came up as a top prospect for the Phillies and it just didn't work out. Um, and last year we saw a little bit of what, you know, what he, what he could be. Uh, in the sense of, you know, his defense, uh, his leadership. Um, but now he's really, uh, he's hitting and uh, he's finding his way offensively. Um, and then also on the downside, Robbie Ray hasn't done well for the, the Mariners in general. Um, so it'll it'll be, you know, something to watch out for because the Mariners were a team that, you know, the, the, they lacked in the pitching side. But I think that, you know, if everything comes together, uh, they're definitely a playoff team. Um, especially with the type of offensive pieces they got, but also Winker just hasn't been, you know, you know, hitting as well. Uh, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, when you watch like a Mariners game? Uh, what are the things that are going well for them, and, and just you know, from the from the stuff that hasn't you know gone well, you know, what contributes to their thirteen and seventeen record? Well, I think that they are actually a very solid team in terms of driving in runs. Um, you know, not a team that's obviously going to blow someone away offensively, but you know. Even even players like Eugenio Suarez, who's batting 200 right now, he's driven in 17. Um, so I think that alone shows that they are still doing a good job of producing runs in some sort of in so, at some, to some sort of capacity. Um, you know, I'm looking at these stats as I'm talking right now. You know, Tom Murphy, another good example of a player who's hitting for high average, um, and I think that you know, with that high average, just getting on base a lot. Um, I know, I know, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's very, it's very, there's a lot of players on this team that maybe the common baseball fan isn't too familiar with, and that's okay. Um, but, you know, this is a team that is, you know, they're not going to blow you away uh, offensively, but they are doing a good job of producing runs, uh, drawing walks, um, you know, you know, Ty France, love it. Love what I'm seeing out of him. Uh, he's just, he's just doing his job as a hitter. And uh, I think he's kind of an underrated first baseman as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, they're, they're doing a good job offensively, in my opinion, still of, you know, just getting on base and driving in runs, whether that be, that's a sacrifice fly, whether it's a guy on third and it's a ground ball to the first baseman or the second baseman, whatever, it's still an RBI. Um, and then pitching-wise, you know, a lot of room to improve. A lot of room to improve for the, for the Mariners pitching-wise. Um, but, you know, I think they're still right there. I do believe that they're right there still. Um, and yeah, they, they, you know, they clean some things up um, with their, with the rotation and in their bullpen. I don't see a reason why they can't, you know, turn this around come as early as, as this month or June. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have, it's the type of team that if they were to, you know, to unlock everyone that on their roster, uh, then, then they would be uh, very interesting to see how, how far they could get. Um, now moving on to the Cincinnati Reds. Now they, you know, they it's been really, really rough start. It's probably an understatement for them. Uh, I know they were at one point three and twenty two, um, and I think since that, since that, uh, they've actually gone 
um, you know, they've been trending up for as much as they can. Uh, I believe they were three and one. Uh, they are now six and twenty-three. So one back-to-back game. So it's <laughs> uh, at least that's something for them, something positive. Uh, but with a team that's struggling that bad, I mean, they uh, they've gotten off, they've gotten off to a historically uh, bad start. And when when you see teams struggling that bad, it, 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 a lot of the things I hear is, man, this is bad for baseball. I mean, it's not something that you know you want to see in any sport. A team that bad. Um, is it something you think that could be solved with like, you know, like, like when a team's that bad, do you think it's something like the league got to step in? Like, man, you guys, you guys got to do something like get, you know, get this player. You got to do, you know, drop this player, whatever. Like, it, is it off to that point? Or do you think that the Reds will still finish with um, not, I guess, respectable, respectable record might be a little much, but you think they, you know, they won't lose more than like 110 games. Oh, whew. um, <laughs> There's a lot of issues that have to be addressed with the Reds. Uh, you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's just, this doesn't happen very often for a team to start off this cold. Um, but the, the pieces that they've put together after kind of jumping ship last year, it just hasn't worked. It hasn't worked at all. Um, and what, what it, it, you know, it's a weird year when Joey Votto's hitting 122. Uh, that is very weird. I think this is just a team that is just, just not, not built to, to win. They're just not built to win, period. Um, I, I, I like that they got, they went out and they got Albert Almora. Uh, he's hitting 375. Obviously, he hasn't had a lot of that bats yet, but you know, Defensively, he brings a very solid glove to that team, which is which is going to help too. Like I like Tommy Pham. I've always liked Tommy Pham. I've always thought he's a great leader for any team that he goes on. Very very vocal. You know, I think that's one of those pieces that you keep around. Uh, Jonathan India, I still think he's having a solid year. I know he's you know going through certain things with injuries right now. Um, overall, this team is just not built to really do anything and these pieces just aren't going to work. Um, you know, Mike Mustagas is another player who I like a lot. I think he's very solid defensively and also another one of those leaders. But overall, this team is just not um, – they're not built very well. Uh, there's issues with the management. There's issues with the management and the fans, the ownership of the fans. Um, you know, it's probably not very fun to be a Reds fan right now, but these years are going to happen. Um, if the league steps in for the Reds, they better step in for other teams as well. Sometimes you just got to let certain organizations go through it. Maybe step in when it comes to, you know, the management talking about how the fans are going to come back anyway because where are they going to go? They got places to go. They 100% have places to go. Um, cherish, cherish the fans that are that are still showing up and are just supporting you. Um, don't take that for granted. Don't ever take that for granted. As a fan who's watching the game, who's already paying money to go, you know, root for my favorite team um, for you to think that I am just always going to be your pawn when it comes to money or whatever it is. No, it's not going to work. They, the Oakland athletics are, in my, my opinion, they're playing pretty solid right now. They, 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 they are, they are struggling to get 5,000 fans in the seats right now. Don't ever take it for granted. That is, that is where I think uh, everything comes into play. Uh, when I look at the management, it's just, you know, better leadership. Give them better leadership. Give these players something more to 
to look forward to. Same thing with the fans to look forward to. Um, change the tone of what you guys are doing because right now it's not working. It's just not. So I think this is just something the Reds just have to work through this year. Uh, maybe make some changes around the deadline. Maybe do some things now. Bring up some more young players. Um, you know, kind of just, you just got to redefine yourself. That's, that's the main thing what they have to do right now. Um, it stinks, but these things happen and just keep playing ball. Yeah, no, it's, I definitely agree with, you know, that statement about what the, the management has said. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's not what you want to hear from management. I know I saw um, a guy wearing a t-shirt the other day at, at the Reds game said, sell the team. And even, I think it was, I believe it was Josh India that uh, took a picture with that guy and was like smiling and like thumbs up, you know, looked like he was, appro- <laughs> looked like he was approving yeah. um, that deal. But yeah, no, it's tough times for the Reds. If you have any Reds fans, check up on them, man. It's it's real tough times. Um, <laughs> the tweets are hilarious, though. Keep those tweets coming. Yeah, Just, yeah. Keep, those memes are hilarious. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, move on now to uh, Madison Bumgarner against Dan Bellino, the umpire Dan Bellino. Uh, man, uh, that was – yeah, so what happened there was uh, Madison Bumgarner last week was coming off the mound, and like always, they check, you know, the pitcher's – hands to see if they have any you know uh, illegal substances or anything like that on their hands and it was a really weird check so usually it's like the most fastest thing i've ever seen where it's like oh they, they check it's faster than last year obviously uh so pitchers aren't you know i feel like pitchers don't have that much of a problem this year compared to last year but yeah he checked he checked madison Bumgarner's hand but literally as he was checking his hand he's like staring at him like like as he's checking, like not even looking at the hand, he just keeps like filling up. It's really weird. He's filling up his hand and just yeah. staring at Madison Bumgarner, almost like like almost like like taunting him or like I don't even know what you want to call him. The heck out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, Mad Bum, you know, he uh took exception to that. Um, and you know, they got into a whole thing argument, and they had to hold Madison Bumgarner Garner back. Um. And what's funny on this whole thing is that Dan Bellino eventually apologized for what he did, you know, saying how, you know, his actions were out of line uh, along those lines. He said that something like that. Um, but yeah, like the thing is over the years, you know, as a baseball fan, you watch those things and it's like, sometimes it looks like the umpires are just trying to, you know, test the players. It's like, they, they it's, 100%. it's, it's, it's certain players too. Like, for example, they know how Madison Bumgarner is and maybe mm-hmm. they know the type of, you know, um, mental battles he's had with like Joe West uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, no. maybe they just have this, this distaste towards Madison Bumgarner, which again is, is not okay to, you know, to, you know, do these types of things. Uh, what is your opinion overall the situation? And then like that, I mean, you've, you know, in your baseball experience, have you ever had an umpire try to test you like that or, or do you think it's one of their motives? Yeah. Uh, I, I, so when it, when it comes to that, you know, I think it's good props to the props to Dan Blano for uh, taking accountability for it. You know, I don't really, I don't really remember how many umpires are really taking accountability. I remember what was it, the Cubs in 2018, 2017. Uh, there was, there's, there was a call that they got wrong on a, on a foul tip from Curtis Grandison and, Lombard came out and said, hey, uh, we, we got that one wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wish, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very vocal when it comes to umpires. Um, I'm also very vocal when it comes to the right things that they've done. There's a lot of good that they've done for this game. Um, but in, in, in general, these fans don't come to the game to watch. Them. We just we just don't don't care. Um, 
is different from from me as a player. You do kind of want to get to know the umpire. You kind of want to know the strike zone. You kind of want to know the personality of X, Y, and Z, whoever's on the field. Um, but some of the, some of these umpires have major egos that they have to just check at the door. Just leave it at the door, man. Like uh, there, there's so many there's so many situations. You can just look up, look up videos on YouTube of umpires that are just way out of line just provoking players in every way possible and as soon as a player reacts the player is wrong and they get thrown out of the game um i don't get it man i don't i never got it uh and 100 have i had umpires who have who have tested my patience for sure as someone who's a very patient um enthusiastic player yeah, absolutely. Um, they, I get it. They have a job to do, and I respect everything that they that they are doing. Um, but in in certain cases, they're wrong. They really are wrong. You got guys who worked their entire lives to get to the MLB. Guys who are playing for their lives. Um, of course, some players are going to get upset if you're if you do make uh, a wrong call against them, or if you're 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 unjustly targeting them. This is their opportunity. This is what they've been working their entire lives for. They didn't work their entire lives to, to, to meet Angel Hernandez behind home plate. They did it. Um, they care about this game. They care about their teammates. They, they want to perform well. That passion is going to come out if you do something wrong. Sometimes some of these umpires, just it's probably never going to be like this, but in, sometimes you got to wear it off the chin and just let them vocalize to you how wrong you are. Shut up. Just listen. Just, just, just listen sometimes. You, 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 if your strike zone is off or whatever, or whatever the case may be, please learn from it because it is, I don't want to say it's hurting the game, but it does hurt the players who are playing in the game because they're the ones being impacted. They're the ones who's being called out on, on a bad strike three call or, or thrown out of a game for a bad call that the umpire made, that the umpire made. They're getting penalized for that. Getting thrown out of the game, plus, you know, the play was against them. Gotta be, they, they, I don't know. I know they're protected by the union. I know we talked about it, um, which is good. I just hope that there's more accountability. Someone has to step in. Um, the commissioner, someone has to step in uh, with these umpires. I'm like, hey, we got to be better. We, we, we just have to. Um, and certain rules with maybe replays uh, uh, in the infield, I know you can't challenge a foul ball. Um, if it's in the infield, if it's fair or foul, unless it's, you know, unless it's in the outfield, um, I know you can't challenge balls and strikes. How much longer are we going to keep doing that with them, with how, you know, how they're managing, how, how, they're, how they're making these calls? How, how much more are we going to leave it up to them? You know what I mean? So I just uh, – it's clear that I, I'm very passionate about this just because as a player, I care about other players. I care about watching every player do well, you know, and I care about the umpires doing their job well. That's what I care about. Um, I just, I think the MLB does have to be better with that. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just another distraction it just adds to the stress of, of being a player. I can only imagine yeah. uh, that you have to think about that, uh, that part of the game um, more than you should. Uh, yeah, so hopefully, uh, you know, umpires learn from Dan Bellino and, uh, you know, more, there's, like you said, more accountability. Uh, that would be, you know, really good to see overall. 
Um, yeah. not just in, not in, not just in that capacity of like you know angering players, but just in general of like you know doing your job and doing it well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a couple other notes. Uh, MLB uh is returning to London. Uh, they're planning to you know get games uh there in twenty three, in twenty four, and twenty five. Uh, really wanted to get your your take on this, man. Like uh. Overall, like you think, uh, not necessarily is it making a difference, but what uh, uh, positive signs have you seen or heard of? Uh, as you uh, you obviously play overseas, you play in uh, in Israel later this year. So, um, what type of things uh, do you see, and do you think that London is the right spot, or do you think you know maybe they could uh, you know benefit more, you know, playing I don't know in France or um, Italy, Germany, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? I do think London is the the right spot uh, for now. I think you you actually just made a good point where I think if they maybe expanded as well to Germany, which actually there's a lot of baseball in Germany. Is, is I, I I played there a few years ago. It is it is incredible. It is very competitive. I remember you know just I was I was in Nuremberg playing there. So much fun. Beautiful fields. Um, and those surrounding countries as well, like Switzerland, who was getting more into baseball. And when I when I played there, you know, they're they're just as invested in the game as as we are, uh, the the guys who are playing. It is not it is not as much of a foreign sport as it used to be there. So you know, seeing the MLB, you know, go closer to to those regions of the world and expanding the game there as well would be very beneficial. Um, Baseball overseas is is beautiful. It really is. It really is beautiful. Um, they are they are they are playing in other places just because of how much they love the game, um, and they admire American players. They admire you know the the, the American culture of baseball, um, and, and and how much of a melting pot the MLB really is. I'm hoping that it isn't just London going forward, and they look into other places as well maybe like in Italy, most definitely Germany. Uh, I, I just, the more, the more that they, that they show that outreach to these, to these other countries that are showing interest in baseball here, the better, 100% the better. Um, I have nothing but great things to say about, you know, playing overseas and, and I look forward to going to Israel and, and playing there. Um, you know, when I played in Germany and Switzerland, it was, it was so much fun. It was the most fun I've ever had. And, Shout out to the Swiss national team and the Bern Cardinals. I I love those guys. So much fun. So much fun. And you know, maybe maybe I'll be back, you know, with them one day for a few games. Um, but uh yeah, so so much fun. It'll be huge. It'll be huge for baseball. Yeah, and, and it what's cool too is you know, seeing Chicago teams get involved. I know the Cubs were supposed to play there in twenty twenty against yeah. the Cardinals. Uh, which was obviously scrapped for uh, obvious reasons. So yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if you know the Cubs or Sox could get out there, um, and uh, you know you know get you know get in that game. So I'd be int- getting those games, I should say. Uh, and uh, also the last uh, note I wanted to say was uh, Mike Trout uh, with his home run yesterday on Monday night uh, became the all-time leader of home runs at Angel Stadium with 161. Uh, this is a building that opened in 1966. Um, I mean, there's not much to say cause we've said it all, I think with Mike Trout. Um, but what type of, like, what do you think? Like, how, like just in general, what do you think about that? It's, I think it's a crazy stat, dude. Like that's yeah. like, uh, like you all, you're the leader of like that stadium has been around for a while. 
And yeah. I feel like Mike Trout, oh, Mike Trout's been around for a while as well, but like 10 years, but it doesn't really feel like that, right? It's like, I feel like he's been in the league for a little bit. Like, I mean, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. What can we say, right? I mean, we've said it all with Mike Trout. We've said it all. For me, that's that's Mr. Baseball. That is Mr. Baseball, how he how he plays the game. He just goes about everything so, so well. Um, that says a lot. That says a lot about how much he loves being an angel. That shows, that says a lot about how much he, how comfortable he is playing at Angel Stadium. Um, this is, this is a player that's just, he's just, uh, he goes about the game the right way. And there's a reason why so many people admire him. And, you know, I know he's, he's very near and dear to the Angels fans and, you know, pretty much the city of Los Angeles and, Baseball in general, you know, he's a, he, he really is a national treasure for the game. So not too surprised when I hear that stat. Uh, it's, just, it's just awesome to watch. It's, it's been so cool to, to grow up with this player right here and just, just, just to see him, uh, you know, sprout the way he has. It's, it's, it's been so cool. So, you know, I, I love hearing stuff like that. Um, you know, he's just a leader. He's just a leader for baseball. He's, he's an ambassador in his own right. He doesn't do a lot of social media he doesn't do a lot of commercials he's not the most flashy guy um but he's one hell of a baseball player and that is that is what people notice and that is what people will always you know associate him with is being a good ball player being a great incredible ball player um so you know i love hearing stuff like that yeah and it's good to see that good to see the angels at the top of the al west yeah. um and only half a game and the thing was i was looking at this when i was looking at the standings yesterday i'm like you know it's cool to see the angels up that up top of the AL East race is going to be crazy, but the teams that are in second place of those two divisions, um, the Rays and the Astros are, you know, they c- continue to win games and continue to be on that team's back, like really close up there. Um, and the Rays are two and a half games back of the Yankees and the Astros are just a half game back of the Angels. But as we said before, it'll be, re- it, it, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you've got to be pulling for those Angels to see Trout, to see Otani in the playoffs. That would be out of this world man i mean that would be oh baseball needs that so much the best player the best player in the sport needs to be in the playoffs so yeah hopefully um they can you know keep it going um and you know get trout and otani there because that would be that would be pretty sick yeah. um so that's a, a good way to end things tonight talking about the best player in baseball uh, I know uh, it's going to be an interesting week for the Cubs. They got Arizona at the end of the week. Uh, see what they could do in Arizona against those Diamondbacks. Uh, and then the Yan- the Yankees coming to town to take on the White Sox. That'll be a playoff caliber series. Uh, a big test for the White Sox. So hopefully the Chicago teams uh, can get those wins, get those series wins. Uh, I am Saul Rodriguez for Miles Porter. Uh, thank you for watching the At Bat Baseball Podcast. And have another great week, everyone.